Afternoon sun rendered every colour dazzling. The green and black of the company flag limp at the masthead, streaks of orange rust on the white-painted deck housing, the calm ocean a teal blue, blood blossoming from the carcass of the whale. A gantry of planks and rope had been swung out over the dead beast. Fires burned under tripods on the main deck. Gaffs, pikes and bone spades lay ready. And the crew waited. Get on with it, why not? The anonymous shout had come from among a knot of sailors gathered next to the starboard paddle wheel. The first mate shot them a warning glance, but no more. The slight figure edging out from the safety of the deck was the young scientific officer. Any sign of respect would have been transparent pretense. The captain glowered down from the quarterdeck with ill-disguised impatience. He may have chosen the crew of the whaling ship Pembroke, but it was the company that placed the scientific officer. All were subject to a captain's command, but only that one had a direct line of communication back to the board of directors in New York perhaps even to the International Patent Office. On such reports, the ship could be ordered to stop killing one type or another of whale, or be moved on to a different hunting ground. This scientific officer was even less popular than the one the company had called home so abruptly the previous year. This one carried a singular aloofness, and had no stomach for the job. Sins made flesh in the form of an ugly wine-stain birthmark. Ill fortune is a contagion no sailor would willingly be near. Take your time, sir, the captain shouted. Some of the sailors laughed. The scientific officer wobbled and grabbed a rope for support, then began shuffling further out over the dead beast. Below, another wave washed the gash that had been left by the killing lance. More blood swilled into the ocean. Such a creature. Such a death. The sperm whale had rolled somewhat on its side, revealing the edge of a belly patterned with barnacles. At fifty foot, she wasn't large, but it had taken three harpoons to stop her. Somewhere in the fury of dragged boats and thrashing water, her calf had been left behind. Mr. Barnabas, called the captain. The scientific officer turned, unsteadily on the plank. Yes, sir. Are your observations quite done? They are, sir. It was a reedy voice. Then may I suggest you return to the quarterdeck to make report? Grinning, the men picked up their tools. Sunlight flashed from the surface of a blade. Then a shout came from the lookout. Steamer ho! The captain looked up, shielding his eyes against the brilliant sky. Bearing? Two points abaft the port beam, heading straight at us, sir, and she's signalling. They moved as one, the crew, to the other bow to stare at the approaching ship, all but the young scientific officer, who clambered back to the safety of the deck, then silently opened the hatch and slipped unseen below. Privacy was another reason for the crew's resentment. Scientific officers did no real work. They looked on, risking no danger, distant from the stink of blood and oil. They hindered rather than helped. Yet, despite all this, they enjoyed the unique dispensation of a cabin to themselves. But privacy was the very thing. Without privacy, 
it would have been quite impossible. Scientific Officer Barnabas bolted the cabin door, top and bottom, then, hands shaking, stripped off tunic and shirt and began to unwind the cloth that gave her the illusion of a masculine figure. There comes a moment when deception is unbearable. It had been the calf, not the mother, that had unsettled Elizabeth Barnabas. The thought of it had come to her unexpectedly as she stood out at the edge of the gantry. Under the gaze of the crew and unable to show a reaction, she'd felt acid rising in her throat. If the other ship hadn't been seen, she could still have done her job, climbed the steps to formally report the species, sex, and size of the animal to a man who would have surely known all those things from a quarter mile out. With the ritual complete, she would have been obliged to stand beside him on the quarter-deck and keep tally as blanket strips of blubber were minced and rendered. All that she could have done, as she had many times before. She could have maintained the voice, gait, and bearing of a man. But this unexpected release from duty had cracked the mask. She lowered herself onto the narrow cot and closed her eyes, feeling the skin of her breasts pinching tight against the cold air.